Welcome to the new podcast, Truth in Politics, with New York State Assemblyman David DiPietro. David is the number one rated top conservative, according to the American Conservative Union. You want the truth about New York and national politics? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Welcome back, everybody. Dave DiPietro and Truth in Politics. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Dave DiPietro, New York State Assemblyman from the 147th District, telling you what's going on not only in Albany but around the country and giving you the straight truth on everything politics and corruption. And boy, we loaded today. So if you want, please do share this. This is Truth in Politics, and it's Available and streaming on the Big Weck Podcast Network at BigWeck.com. That's W-E-C-K, okay, W-E-C-K.com. Or get us on Facebook at Big Weck, W-E-C-K. Previous episodes are also on there. Share them. If you like this, let us know. Share it uh, with others like-minded today. A couple things I want to go on and talk about. First off, uh, pot. (laughs) Cannabis in New York State. <laughs> what is going on? This state is so bad, man. Uh, it's 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 worse than you can imagine. So years ago, years ago, about a number of years ago, when New York State, I was in the assembly, of course, and when New York State was looking to legalize pot, uh, they wrote a bill. The Democrats wrote a bill. It was horrible. We sent it, our conference sent it to every state that had legalized marijuana. And we said, would you just look at our bill? Because they didn't mirror any of your bills. They wanted to write their own, obviously, for obvious reasons. Uh, and they, we sent it to other states to look at. And every single state that had legalized marijuana that we sent a copy of the Democrat bill to came back and said, this is the worst bill that's ever been written on legalized pot that we've ever seen. They're like, New York State, how could you even write this bill? It's so bad. Well, what was bad about it? First off, the governor had control over every, the governor had control over every aspect of the pot. Every job that was associated, every dollar associated, the governor had say on. Okay, so we talked about this before, but in these different areas where they have the controlled, at the farms, the pot farms, Okay, someone has to water these pot plants. Well, that's a government job, folks. It's not just a farmer doing his job and and growing the pot and giving it to the state where these these things are. The governor had complete control. So these were ninety to one hundred and five thousand dollar jobs to water the pot plants. And they were all pork and patronage. And so these other states said, what are you doing? This is a horrible bill. And but this is what we got now. We move fast forward. They said uh, we debated this a couple years ago and last year, you know, and the Democrats said, made sure they said, look, this is going to go to our distressed farms. The distressed farmers, those ones that are having a tough time, those family farms are going to be first in line to get the licenses to sell and grow this pot. And we're like, OK, well, if the farmers are going to be helped out because we're all about agriculture, we're all about our small farms. What happened? We debated this this week because they brought up a bill, and I'll talk about that in a second. But we debated and said, did you know you said, and we've got you on record, a number of you saying this is going to go to all the small farms. They're going to be the ones that have first say and get the licenses to help them out because uh, we put so many restrictions on these farmers. They can't sell their crop. They can't sell their milk. It's, 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 it's getting so cost prohibitive in New York State because of all the regulations. We're losing out to other states, but we'll give them an opportunity with pot, with marijuana. Not one farm in New York State. Let me repeat, not one farm in New York State has been given a license to sell or grow pot. It's all been given, believe it or not, to ex-convicts and minorities and special interests picked through the governor and the Democrat Party. I hope you understand that. I'm not going to repeat it. I hope you understand that. It's a joke. So... What's happened in New York State? And we had to vote on this the other day. 
a new bill, 7430, Assembly Bill 7430, gives pot sellers another year extension to sell their products illegally because the board is giving out licenses without review process. So what happened was there's about 40, 50 legalized pot sellers in the state, but there's thousands who have opened up shops across the state illegally. You've seen them on their storefronts. We're selling pot. You know, we vape and you can buy your pot here. They're all illegal, but the state hasn't gone after them because they don't want to arrest them. They don't want to take them out of business. <clears throat> so in none of these people, they have a license. They've never, none of them have been reviewed. I hope you understand. They're not reviewed. The state doesn't have, is so, it's so dysfunctional, people. The state can't review. There's thousands of them. They're not reviewing them. So we're not getting any money. They're selling this pot illegally. They're not giving any of the revenue to the state. Remember, the pot, the, the big thing about pot was it wasn't that they're all potheads, okay? They're all dope addicts that want to smoke, and that's why we've got to legalize it. No, it's because we're going to make so much money in New York State, okay? Now, the total back then, I was there, was about $300 million, and that's so much. Our budget is almost 250, a quarter trillion. 300 million, folks, is nothing. But what's happened now? Number one, they're not getting any any revenue off of this pot because thousands of them are selling it illegally and just keeping all the money. But what's happening is, as happened in California and other states, when Colorado, I had the report from a bunch of years ago when it came out because... I was leading the charge. They gave this report up in Albany. Colorado came in and said, here's what's really happening in Colorado after five years. Here it is. For every dollar that the state got in revenue, and remember, New York State's hardly getting any money because they don't know what they're doing, and they're letting these people sell illegally, and there's no revenue coming in. But for every dollar Colorado got in, they were spending $4. That's right. Four times as much was going out because of all the infringement and different, uh, what do you call, the umbrella effect of all the negative effects of of legalizing pot from traffic arrests, accidents, deaths, uh, just anything, misdemeanors, you name it. Everything that had to do negatively with selling pot was costing the state four times as much as they were bringing in. I hope you understand that because that's what's happening in New York State times 10. Because they're not even getting the revenue that they thought they were going to get. And they never will. And, and what's happened in New York State, as you all know, is that the underground market has exploded. Because the underground market in every state, they tell you the underground market explodes because they sell it for less than the state. Because the state is overpricing their pot. It's like a business, folks. That's what it is. And so the competition comes in underground and sells it for less. And the state is, is <laughs> this is New York State. Oh, you got to laugh at it, folks, because New York State is, is just run so badly that, that this is the type of thing. You know, we want to sell pot. We want everybody to get high, okay? Uh, take all the different laws away from it. You know, <clears throat> maybe, I mean, how long did it take New York State? I was there about a year for them to pass the law that said, uh, you couldn't fly an airplane and you couldn't drive a bus if you were on pot. Now, you can drive your car on pot, just don't get caught. Uh, you can do other things while you're in the car. Um, but, you know, you would think it would just be normal, natural, common sense. Don't say that word on this show, folks, common sense. It doesn't have anything to do with Democrats. Uh, that someone who flies an airplane should be tested and not allowed. Why did it take over a year to get that? You know, a, rides a, a public transportation bus, who a driver, okay? Why'd they have to get that through the unions? I mean, it's just common sense. You're in charge of other people's lives, okay? You shouldn't be flying a plane high. End of story. We all look at that and scratch our and go, of course, that's common sense, Dave. Not in New York State. Not in New York State, folks, Okay? That had to be negotiated. Uh, so, because you don't want to tick off the unions. So, this is what we have. So, I hope I'm giving you a little bit more insight onto the pot situation in New York. It's uh, 
and this is as the world turns because they just gave all of these illegal entities selling pot in the storefronts around New York State another year extension because they have no way of, of even getting these people reviewed and make sure that they're good and they're the right people and everything else that goes along with uh, these licenses. So it's it's they just have no clue. They this is again, this is what Democrats do. This is what one party rule does to your state. There's no guidelines, there's no ethics, there's no overseeing. They just they just it's all feel good. This sounds like a good bill. Everybody should have a million dollars, but then they have no perception or reality of the consequences of what happens with their decisions. And we sat here and argued for years. I argued on this marijuana of all the negative things. Fix this. Fix this. I'm not for legalized pot, but if you're going to do it, do it right. Look, we've got reports from every single state that sells pot legally. Every one of them saying, New York State, your bill sucks. Okay? This is horrible. Fix it. And they wouldn't do it. Why? Because they're all bought and paid for. I hope you realize that. They're all getting their hands washed. There was an incentive to actually make common sense and fix these things because everyone's getting their hand washed on this, starting at the governor. Watch my blood pressure, folks. I'm telling you, I got to... We gotta hold off here. Just let's let's calm it down, Dave. It's only pot. Oh boy, maybe I should take some, right? <laughs> maybe that'll calm me, calm me down. Holy cow! Next thing I want to talk about this voting thing. I've got a guest coming on today, folks. Mike Caputo is coming on shortly, so don't turn the channel. Don't turn this off. Remember, uh, well, I've got a second here. Truth in politics. That's Dave DiPietro, and I'm telling you exactly the way it happens and how it is. Okay, and it's available and it's streaming on the Big Weck Podcast Network at BigWeck.com. That's W-E-C-K. And get us on Facebook, like us. Got any questions or comments, please let me know. We'll get back to you. Uh, Check out some previous episodes because there are some good ones on there. Uh, So let's go with this, this, this report I got. I want you to know about it because it's Information Warfare in New York from the American Thinker. It's very technical. So I'm just going to give you the outline. There's a scientist who's been studying the voting machines and the voter rolls in New York State. Basically, in a nutshell, what he's found is there are four, he's identified four different algorithms in the voter rolls. And what that means is in a, in, a, in, a, in a very common, because I don't want, this thing's very wonky with science, but he's found four that change your vote and your registration and your vote on these voter machines, okay? And they're so that a normal person or scientist or computer geek would not find these. He found them, and he's trying to get New York State to change them. New York State doesn't want to look at them. New York State does not want to change this, and he's going to find these in other other states basically what happens is you go to vote your vote gets changed you don't even know it because this algorithm will identify and change it here's the tricky part the algorithm will then disperse and make that voter role identification disappear i think within six to twelve hours it actually as something in it. Again, I'm not a scientist, but I'm just telling you what this guy found. He found four algorithms that change votes on those machines and at the county level. Now, New York Citizens Audit, for those in New York State who have maybe have never heard of it, but it's a huge group. It's gotten bigger. It's a grassroots organization. But they've gone out county to county, town to town. I mean, on their own dime, folks, these are just volunteers that know what they're doing. They have identified so far, so far, this isn't the entire state, this is just so far what they found, 348,000 illegal votes registered in 2022. Three, almost 350,000 and they're not done. They think that the voter, that the governor's race was taken and a lot of smaller races were taken. 340,000 plus Illegal votes registered. They found someone who was 128 years old voted, who has been dead for 70 years, 
They found a lot, thousands and thousands and thousands of dead people who voted. Okay, how does that happen? People who have voted five or six times. They found people who are uh, <clears throat> even elected officials who have like three or four different identifications. It's really weird. But these people are doing a heck of a job. And they are trying to take it to the authorities. And the authorities in New York State will not take it. They'll not even look at it. That is a disgusting, crying shame. Democrats won't even look at it. They don't care about voter integrity ever. They sit there and talk about it, but everything they do goes against voter integrity. It's so easy now to do a fingerprint or a facial, some, some recognition scan. They don't even want you to have your signature anymore. This is a joke, but this gentleman found these algorithms, and I got to tell you, uh, this, is, this is scary because I think this is what's happened also, and I'm going to talk about this with Mike Caputo, but... I want to keep people's expectations tempered for the next election. Uh, Trump, whoever you like, because I don't think a conservative or a Republican are going to win. I hate to be a Debbie Downer here, folks, but I think the corruption that they found in New York leads to Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. And it's been infiltrated in other states and the Democrats are in charge, Hillary Clinton, you name it, call me what you want, but the, the facts are all there. So you can, you can sit there with your feelings and call me a racist or whatever, but the facts are there. This has been going on. We know the players. They've all been implicated. And the fact is we're not going to, I think that they're, they're, I think it's just gone too far. That I don't think we can, we can push it back. I hope we can. Gosh, God bless you. But when you got groups like New York State Citizens Audit, finding out all this and they're not even finished yet and no one wants to pick up the ball and run with it, expose it on a state and national level and say, let's fix this. It's wrong. And they won't fix it. Then I think that we're looking at some very uh, dark, dark times from some dark, dark people. So with that, uh, I do want to talk about some other things going on, like uh, the presidential Race coming up with someone who's a good friend of mine, Michael Caputo. Welcome, Mike. Good to hear from you again, my friend. How's everything going down in uh, in in the southern area, which is a little bit more red than New York? Right. Well, I'm 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 real glad to be here, Dave. It's great to be down in the state of free Florida. <laughs> um, I'm I'm uh, we're enjoying it down here. We're entering into our uh, you know rainy season, so. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's a good time to be talking to you on the ra- on the radio, bro, because it's raining like dickens. Right? <laughs> uh, it's, it's only about ninety two degrees here and sunny, Mike. So I think the roles are reversed. I'll take it. At they least, are, uh, but you know, we we all know that uh, that uh, uh, your or Buffalo has uh, uh, two seasons: winter and I think July eleventh. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're. I'll tell you, Mike. We're we've been talking about a bunch of stuff, and I know we wanted to. Talk about the um, uh, the presidential election because a lot's been happening. But but I was reading somewhere, and this was this was really interesting. You know, um, because this whole gender issue is blowing up all over the country. But someone made a good point. They said if there are more than two genders, then why does gender reassignment surgery only offer two two options? So I'm just, <laughs> just you know, there's only two options. Anyway, so let's let's talk about not just Donald Trump. But let's talk about this. Uh, <clears throat> this uh, Republican issue. Everybody seems seems to be a free for all for going into this this presidential election. What's happening, and why are they? I'm hearing Chris Christie. All these people are crawling out of the woodwork, uh, thinking I don't know where they think they have a chance. But is it more of a conspiracy, or uh, what's going on with that? Um, you know, I, I I'm sure your listeners uh, will be surprised to find out that politicians have oversized.
anti-Trump types or others who want to feel the waters out a little bit get in. At first, he was standing on the side of the pool and saying, stay out of this pool, it's mine, right? Now, now that he's got a couple of people in the water with him, he's like, hey, water's fine, get in, get in, everybody get in, because if you have more than four or maybe five candidates running against him, he wins the primary, because oh. Donald Trump has an immutable, unchanging 35 or so percent support doesn't matter what happens, they will always support him. There's another 10, 12 percent, it's probably gotten larger in recent weeks, who would strongly consider voting for Donald Trump either for the first time or again. So you you add those up, you have about 40 percent, maybe, if you give it a, a give or take a few. And if a candidate comes into a primary with 40 percent of immutable support or 30 plus percent of immutable support and additional support uh, that comes to him because it can He's unbeatable. And the one way to make sure that that person is unbeatable is to have multiple candidates. It looks like we're going to have, by the end of next week, we're going to have nine candidates, including Donald Trump. That means Donald Trump is a nominee. Correct. What about, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of some of these names. I know Pence wants to get in, Mr. Mr. Milktoast. But, I mean, I, I the polls I've seen, he, get, he gets like uh Point zero two five percent. I mean, he, he, there's there's no support for him. Same Chris Christie crawling out of the woodwork. Uh, this this. I mean, some of these names that are coming out, Mike. Uh, it sounds like at the end, are they all going to gang up together against Trump? You you were talking before. Maybe you want to expound on the billionaire aspect. Right. I'll tell you about that. First of all, we all know that uh, Chris Christie should run. He really should. Not for president, but he should be outrunning for him every day. He should be right. <laughs> um, right. Uh, but the fact is, um, uh, there's a dynamic in, in the Republican primary. I don't think it's unique to the Republican primary, but I've never been inside a Democrat primary, so I don't know. But the modern uh, version of a Republican primary is actually two different levels. It's the candidate level, and we all know that, uh, as we mentioned earlier, uh, there's a bit of ego in that group. and. And uh, uh, many of them think that they could be president. Uh, there are many more that think they should be president. And they march into the primary whether they can win or lose because they're delusional, uh, i.e. Chris Christie. You know, another example, Mike Pence, there's no way they're going to win. It is a metaphysical impossibility. Uh, but still, they run. But the reason why some of these folks run is not just because of that they think they're a good candidate and they believe that they should be president. It's also because the billionaire class in America is in here running as well. I mean, uh, the, billion, the billionaire, the owner of the Pets, whose name escapes me for the moment, who's behind Chris Christie, is running for president through Chris Christie. You know, Paul Singer, one of the uh, billionaires behind uh, uh, Ron DeSantis, this is for Paul, not for Ron. And, and the thing that we saw in 2016, which I was watching very closely, I think we had, what, 15 candidates? Each one of them had their own billionaire. People called them their own pet billionaire. But actually, the billionaires have their own pet candidates, right? right? right. The billionaire behind uh, one guy hates the billionaire behind another. And one of the reasons why that billionaire recruits another candidate into the race is to screw the other billionaire, not the other billionaire's candidate. They want to beat that guy because the, the, if you think uh, candidates have egos, you right. never met a billionaire. The biggest egos on the planet. So when Chris Christie drops out, Chris Christie may go over and endorse Ron DeSantis. I would expect him to. But the billionaire doesn't. So Christie's endorsement is really just PR. There's nothing behind it. The billionaire who supports Chris Christie hates the billionaires behind uh, Ron DeSantis so much that he'll, not, he'll, he'll basically wait until the, president, until the election is over and donate to the transition fund, you know, the one that, that, that billionaires fund in order to help the new president come into office. That's why you keep seeing headlines. Billionaire Trump backer now backing Mike Pence. Well, that billionaire Trump backer never backed Trump until he already won, right? What right. we're seeing here is the billionaire primary. And what everybody needs to know is this. If you think that everybody who's running against Donald Trump 
is going to unite behind another candidate to beat him, all of them behind one, you don't understand billionaires. The fact of the matter is there will be no unity. One of the reasons why we know Donald Trump is going to be the nominee is that there's nine-plus candidates. The math works in his favor. We also know he's, he's going to be the nominee because the billionaires who control these candidates will never unite behind one consensus competitor to Donald Trump. Donald Trump wins because the math works, and the billionaires are jealous jerks. Name a couple of the other candidates coming out of the nine. Ramaswamy or whatever his name is. Uh... Uh, Ramaswamy, you know, Vivek is, is out. He's declared fully. Yeah, he's um, Tim Scott, I believe, has a, a an exploratory committee, but if you understand politics, there's no such thing as an exploratory committee. He's just kind of half-heartedly uh, declared for the presidency. Yeah, there's no uh, there's no legal entity called an exploratory committee. Dipping his All, toes. You know, Mike, Mike Pence is going to get right in. We're going to see uh, others get right in. Uh, the, the governor of North Dakota, who's so famous I can't think of his name right now, is going to get in. Uh, and and the more the merrier. Again, Donald Trump standing up in the pool saying, jump on in, folks. The water's fine. Yep. Bring him on in. Make sure you got your trunks on. No doubt, David. You're in, you're in electoral politics. If you have somebody that's opposing you in a primary, you want to have a bunch of people that look like that guy running yep. with them as well. Yep. You know, Split and it's, the votes. it's just the game. It's just the game. And, and the problem we have here is this. If you look at the other eight, maybe there's another nine or another ten. My family, uh, who, you know, our family was destroyed by the Russia investigation, absolutely destroyed. And, you know, we had to leave Western New York. We had to move out of East Aurora because of the nut jobs in the area who truly believe that I was a Russian spy. Fools, right? They believe <laughs> my, wife is a, uh, my wife is a Russian spy. She's freaking Ukrainian. They're all nuts, and they wouldn't leave us alone. They were bothering our kids. And we had to leave. The reason we left is because there was no way to stop it. The police uh, are, are behind, you know, law and order. The judges are too, how do you say it politely? They're too chicken shit to do anything. That's as polite uh, as I can the, think. Yeah. And the, the Republican judges are no different from the Democrat judges. The right. fact of the matter is the only person who can destroy this system that went after my family, is Donald Trump. There's a couple of reasons. Number one, nobody knows it like he does. Nobody's been targeted like he does. Nobody has a, a complete and absolute understanding of the players of it like he does. In addition to that, not a one of those other people has the cojones that he does. The only person my family believes that will give us the, rep the retribution we deserve, my daughters deserve, is Donald Trump. Now, do I like Ron DeSantis? I do. I mean, uh, honestly, I was one of the, uh, the two people that first brought Mike Pence to Donald Trump's imagination as his potential vice president. I like Mike Pence. What happened at the end of the presidency, you know, he burned uh, 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 the president, and, and I feel that uh, he has no shot at the presidency. Chris Christie, I wouldn't cross the street to put him out if he was on fire. It would be a really big fire. I'd probably go get marshmallows. <laughs> the rest of them... Vivek Ramsawan, he's a really nice guy. Vivek actually talks about really good ideas. And he doesn't insult other members of the field uh, running for president on the Republican side. He focuses on Joe Biden. I like that guy. And by the way, we have a local connection to Vivek. Uh, it looks like Stefan Mahailu is now working for him, which is a tremendous move for Ramsawan. It's a tremendous move. What he brings to the table are great ideas, some bad ones, but some really good ones. And what, what good ideas need is publicity. In Western New York, one of the best publicists who ever walked the earth is Stefan Mihailu. Vivek's done a really good thing. And then the other candidates, one by one by one. No, I, I like Vivek. He's not going to go in and gut the DOJ. You know, the Department of Justice is completely corrupt all the way to its core. Yep. The FBI is now a criminal organization, we know from the Durham, Durham report. But nothing is going to happen to any of these people. You know, Durham is going to be sitting in front of the House Judiciary Committee talking about the Durham report on the 21st of June. I want to look those people in the eye. I do. I've talked to Paul Manafort, Roger Stone, 
Dave Gordon, Carter Page. They're all really upset about the Durham report that nobody is ever going to be charged. I'm upset, but you know what I'm thinking? I want to. I want to look at it because, from my perspective, how can I tell my young daughters who were harassed by leftists in East Aurora, and they're still suffering post-traumatic stress because of that? You know, who's going to put these people on trial? It ain't going to be Ron DeSantis. Look, the deep state, Mike, and we've talked about this many times, but I've said this for a number of years now. When I I was there with you with Trump in 2015, 2016, uh, and before that, actually 2013 or 2014, excuse me. And but I just remember listening to. I just got sick of it. I was, I, you know, I like Fox and I liked, I, I'd listen to Hannity, you know, or just every so often and every night or every week Hannity would say, I've got news. This guy's going down. This girl's going down. This one's going down. This is not one person in four years under Trump ever got indicted or went down. Not one Democrat. Right. Struck, Carter, right. Page, Comey, Clapper, Brennan, none of them. Not one person. Right. Not one, Mike. For all this stuff, and it's come out that it was all a big lie orchestrated by Hillary. We've got the facts. you got Hunter Biden now with all this stuff. Not one person. That shows you the strength. And, 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 a guy, and if a guy like Trump can't beat the deep state, where's our hope? That's what I tell people. Where's our hope? Because Trump's the one guy. I, I, I hope he gets reelected because now he's not a novice, like as we knew when he got elected, and he was trusting the wrong people in the Republican Party. And now yeah. I think if he gets reelected from day one, I'm getting the popcorn and I'm watching every minute I can because he's going to clean house and clean up this whole country. I just have a feeling, number one, I don't think what I was talking about before with uh, the deep state, the voting corruption, that we're going to be able to take Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania because of the corruption. And I don't think that he might even be around in, in, uh, enough to win the election, if you know what I mean. It's, it's, I, they're not, right. they, can't, they cannot afford. This goes a lot deeper than most people can think. This isn't one or two people. This is a, not only a deep state. This is the world itself who do not want Trump back in office. And, and I think they're going to pull all the stops out to make sure it doesn't happen. Right now, if that election was today, Trump swamps Biden. Okay, we win. No doubt. But that's, but, but, but that's just not going to happen, and I just I don't want to get people's hopes up. Uh, you know, I want them to be optimistic and, and go vote and, and do those things that help. But, but I, I want to see a victory on the back end where we're correcting voter rolls and going after these algorithms and, uh, and, and getting rid of the voter fraud, which is becoming more rampant, not less rampant. And I don't think the right. deep state's going to allow us to do that, and that's, that just really bothers me, I guess, to say it's a— you know, Trump Trump is the guy we do need because he's a billionaire. He can't be bought. I've said that for years. And, and and he does the right thing. He cares about the country. No matter what you think about him, he does what's right for the country. Whereas, you know, all we got to do is look at what's in there now. And nothing's right for the country. It's all right for, for individuals. And, uh, again, that's – I don't know how we're going to beat that back, but the, it's the deep state. When no one got arrested for four years um, – that tells me everything I need to know about the DOJ, the FBI, all of them. You know, the worst thing for Donald Trump that he could ever do, the worst thing for him right now that he could ever do, you know what that is? Run for president. <laughs> it's the worst thing for him. It's the worst thing for him. It per- is undoubtedly, yeah. there's nothing worse he could do to himself, right? Here we are, Dave. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to sum it up. We are adrift with no direction home. We are adrift with no direction home. The Department of Justice is corrupt to its core. The FBI is corrupt to its core. The National uh, 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 Archives Records Administration corrupt to its core. All the way, look at the Supreme Court with the leaked uh, a draft decision on Dobbs corrupt to its core, right? We have we are adrift with no direction home. There is no answer, Dave. Our problem is not only that our government is completely corrupt; we are a post-Christian nation, 
right? We understand that when Rome fell in 410, Christianity surged. It, it grew. It, it, it moved around the world. Entire governments were devoted to Christianity. Now, when Rome, is, when Rome, America, is falling, Christianity is in decline. It's a very different fall from 410. Our nation is falling. That doesn't mean the world will fall. Rome fell. The world went on. In fact, it got a lot better. This time, when Rome falls, when America falls, it's going to get worse. Why? Because we're adrift with no direction home. That requires leadership. Leadership. Let me tell you something, Dave. I was deeply involved in the Russiagate hoax. As you know, everybody in Buffalo knows, I got targeted, got dragged from the House the Senate Intelligence Committee. You know, uh, the Mueller investigation, that interrogation was one of the most intense instances of my life. I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars that I did not have on legal bills. Let me tell you something. Deep, and then I went on, by the way, after everybody was vindicated, to go serve as Assistant Secretary of Health during COVID, right? That experience was more eye-opening than the, the Russia investigation. Right. Deep science. Deep science makes the deep state look like deep kindergarten. It'll scare the living pants off of you if you know what I know. There are people inside the federal government, inside the, the, the health uh, department and others, who were doing everything they could imagine to slow the response. Because Donald Trump could not succeed at this. That would mean he would be reelected. They, sl- they put on the brakes around every corner. I can go through case after case after case where they delayed things. You know what happens when you delay things during a pandemic? More people get sick. You know what happens when more people get sick? More people die, right? What's the difference between the deep state and, the deep, and deep science? Deep science is willing to let people die in order to defeat Donald Trump. I watched it from the inside. I'll give you one example, one that I'm personally uh, involved in, beyond the fact of many other things that I know that happened during the early months of the COVID response that were directly aimed at slowing the response so that Donald Trump could not claim victory, right? The one thing I was involved in that that, that breaks my heart every single day, I was in the the Oval Office with the president, the vice president, uh, Secretary Azar, others, um, and and the pre- and we were talking about the mood of the country of late April 2020 and how everybody was just so depressed and afraid. And we knew from the scientists, uh, if you if we found out later, we really couldn't believe them all that much. But we knew from basic science that this would pass, that we would get past it, that that viruses wind down by nature, right? We knew we would get there. But the conversation in, in the Oval Office was. America is so despaired that if we make it all the way to the end of this thing, what will we have? We'll have a a whole population crushed by not being able to go to school or church or see their parents in the hospital and and go to their grandmother's funeral. Talk about a, 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 a society that's completely destroyed. What do we do? We sat there and talked and and, and we talked about how we should communicate as broadly and as widely and as loudly as we can to the people of the United States, that if we all work together, this will pass and we will be stronger on the other end of it. And the president sat there and he said, you know, the president always thinks about media and the power of it. He said, we need a public service announcement program, the largest in history. And he looked at me and he says, and you need to do it, Caputo. Larry Kudlow was in the room, and they, he put Larry in charge of moving the money around. The president and Larry got me, got art on my department, $350 million and put it, devoted it to the largest public service announcement program in history to try to convince the American people to not despair, to not – so many people committed suicide. And, and we, we stayed up all night about this for months and months. 350 million. We thought, my God, this is brilliant. So I went back to the office at HHS and said, we're going to do something to change America's mood. 
We're going to make people understand that we're going to get to the end of this, that we can resume our lives. We can do our, you know, things like we always did. We need to end the despair. I said. And my staff, some of which were professional, wifer, career staff. I had 417 people who worked for me, Dave. During COVID, I met 15 of them because nobody came to work, right? 400-plus people in my staff, and I only met less than a few dozen of them. And we sat there, and we started putting it together, trying to find producers. We were doing something completely different. It was going to be historic. And my life career officers who were in charge of moving money said, oh, there's a complication. Explain it to me. They explained it to me. A week later, oh, there's a complication. It went on and on and on. Dave, if Pfizer called Operation Warp Speed and said they needed a billion dollars, they got it within days. But the public service announcement that was supposed to help people understand that there will be life after COVID, I never got the money before I got cancer. Months, Dave, three months they couldn't assign that money to the public service announcement budget. But the moment I got sick with cancer and I had to go to Roswell to live, that money got assigned. And the entire public service announcement changed. Wear masks. Stay socially distant. Get vaccinated when it comes. How do any of those three, three things address the mood of the nation? Of course, they did not, right? That $350 million was pissed away, Dave. Do you remember that great, incredible COVID PSA that came out in, in, in late November? The incredible COVID. Do you remember that? You don't because they pissed the money away on stupid ads about people, you know, uh, uh, sending their money to fight. David, people died because of that, because more got sick because of that. And the, the mood of the nation kept, kept spiraling. Right. The deep state makes the, the deep, deep science makes the deep state look like deep kindergarten. And this is buried so deep, so deep. Do you think Mike Pence is going to fix that? Do you think Chris Christie is going to fix that? Christ, nobody's going to fix that. Ron DeSantis might, but honest to God, I don't think he's got the fire in the belly about it because he's not been abused like Trump and me and my daughters and my wife. That's, that's where I'm coming from. No, I, Mike, that's, I love that. That's a great analysis and i remember 2020 they were when i was because every day from april may june the new york state was putting out by county all the new cases and a lot of them were corrupted that's a whole nother story because they were counting right. some people up to five times okay so they right. to keep this narrative going but I, relying on tests that weren't good that's right and i just remember but i remember trump coming out and saying look he, he did say he said something at a press conference like in end of June, and it never got picked up. But I caught it, and he just said, "You know what? In the summer, we know this virus is going down, but it'll come back in the fall." Everybody said, "Yeah, it'll spike a little in the fall, but in the summer, it literally was going away." And people were like, in the summertime, I remember, were just starting to say no to masks and all that stuff. Said, "You know, we've had enough." And Trump made a comment. He said, "We should open up the." open up our country again and I'll never forget they the the, the attacks went nuts you know about oh, yeah. millions more people will die if we do that and I always thought you know what that's where he lost the election he should have yeah, opened the country up right then and said you know what we know this isn't going away but we're not going to close it down if you're sick you stay home if you have problems you stay home but we're not going to tell all these other people who aren't sick to give up their lives and their businesses. And he should have opened the country back up and said, business as usual. Okay. And if you've got a problem, we'll help you and you stay home and you, you protect yourself of whatever, but we're not going to force other people uh, for the first time in history to do something that, that, that they're not affected by. And uh, I think that right there, I remember at the end of June, I remember when he, the attacks that came on him were vicious even the thought of opening the company back up or the country back up because there were trillions of dollars literally flowing uh, into all these different programs, as you know, billions and billions of dollars that just uh, were getting just corrupted all over the world and especially yeah. in this country. And 
I think if I think Dude, it was worse. Let me tell you. You know this guy, Doctor Alexander, who I hired as my science advisor, assistant secretary. He's from. I think people in Western New York know him because he's on uh, WBEN a lot. Yes. He used to be as a caller. I mean, he used to call into my shows at, at WBEN, and I had no idea he was one of the most brilliant um, epidemiologists in the world. He's a genius, um, and uh, and has a uh, a PhD. In, uh, educated in, 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 in the, the best schools of the world and has a PhD in um, what, the, you know, basically the specialty is tearing apart other people's work uh, to, to prove that it's wrong or right, to strengthen it, right? It's, um, it's a specialty, right? And he's got a PhD in that. And when I was hired, the president said, look, they're sending so many papers over to, the, to your office in HHS, they're blowing you away with with pounds and pounds and pounds every day of reports that are coming up because I had to approve them. Uh, and and the, he said the person before you was just rubber stamp and had no idea how to read them. And he's a PR guy like you. He didn't have any idea what they said. He said, you need a scientist. So I grabbed this guy, Paul Alexander, right? Every day he worked 20 hours a day. And he came to Washington from Canada. And uh, one day he came to my office just absolutely, just apoplectic. You know? And Paul would get very excited. He would sit in his office and read these reports and dash off emails to me. Very excited, long emails. And he called, came into my office. He said, I didn't have time to write you an email. They're trying to keep the schools closed, by the way. This is early July 2020. I said, Paul, that decision is being made now. He says, no, 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 you don't understand. The report that the CDC just put out is filled with falsehoods. And it's designed to impact the county officials across the country and tell them that it's not safe for children to be in congregate environments. This um, report, they call it the Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report, the MMWR, it's been around for over a century. And they just put them out willy-nilly, pell-mell, sometimes two or three a week in the middle of a crisis without any peer review, just reports without any footnotes. Right, just to get the information out there. Well, this report came out in draft form, went to Paul first. Paul read it, and in there they talked about a camp, I think in Pennsylvania or New York, where uh, a children's camp, where all the kids got COVID and all the counselors got COVID. And the, the, the report basically said when children are in a car, congregate environment, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a terrible uh, risk. And that report didn't say schools must close, but it was designed to influence the media, who would influence the county officers, who would decide to close their schools. Absolutely true. What Paul said is this. Nowhere in this document did they say that somebody was hospitalized. Nowhere in this document did it say that somebody died. Nowhere in this document does it say about the countermeasures that they put these children through to try to avoid COVID. Come to find out. The sponsors of this camp would just say to hell with COVID, and they weren't giving any countermeasures at all, right? Let's face it. You may not like masks. You may not like social distancing. You may not like washing your hands. But some combination of self-protection is going to keep you well, right? If nothing else, staying away from sick people, right? These kids and these counselors did nothing, right? So basically, that wasn't anywhere in the report. So the MMWR, out of the Centers for Disease Control, was designed to impact county officials through the media, because you can believe the New York Times and the Washington Post were all lined up to write, you know, hysterical stories. Yep. Well, when Paul stepped in, he said no, and he sent emails to everybody on the planet, including Tony Fauci and the CDC director, saying, you guys are trying to keep the schools closed. And those people burned him to the ground. Paul Alexander, a Canadian, by the way, stood up and burned himself to the ground so that our children could go back to school. Now, unfortunately, you know, I also caught fire in that conflagration. But Paul Alexander sacrificed his career so the children could go back to school. You know what one of the most terrible tales wagging behind COVID is? The impact it had on our kids. That's right. Keeping that at home. 100%. Studying via computer. <clears throat> studying via computer. And that, well, Paul Alexander actually, have, he and I haven't talked in two years. And, you know, you know, uh, 
I just think that guy probably saved our children. I'm with you, Mike. And Mike, I love talking to you. We got to wrap it up. Sorry to say, uh, but we're going to <laughs> we're going to get you on again because uh, it's always a great great talk with you on. I love the insight. Everybody else loves that insight that you you share also, Mike. Dave, I, can I say one thing? Yeah, I miss home. I do. <laughs> I, it's just not safe anymore. And I miss you, Dave, and all my friends. Uh, I, I miss you, Mike. I mean, I just love visiting you, but I'd rather have you home. <laughs> that, yeah. But but unfortunately, I, it's, it's never going to happen. I know, and I know. And you know what, though, Mike, I always tell you, as you know, I think you're better off down there. I think it's I think it's it's done well for your health. I think it's done well for your psyche. Uh, just getting out of New York State, I I don't know anybody who's left New York State who says, I mean, they miss it, but who says it just hasn't been better for them to get out. So it's yeah. a it's a it's a tough place Isn't to live. Bad. Yeah, it's a tough place. It's you know, bad. as I say, New York, New York State's burning, and uh, you know, Democrats are fiddling. Uh, it's just that's yeah. just the way it is. You know, right now we're just uh, we're just in a spiraling downward, and without getting too much into it, because we got to wrap it up. But uh, 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 Jesus, I tell people, Jesus is still on the throne. God's on the throne, and uh, we just got to keep looking up and uh, putting all our faith there because. Uh, that's the, the that's the victory. So, Mike, I want to uh, thank well, you. God for, bless you, Dave, for, for the awful, awful job that you hold. God bless you. Because <laughs> <laughs> Albany is just such a horrible place. And every year I think they take it out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, God Mike. Bless God bless you. We'll talk to you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, get this on the Truth in Politics. I'm Dave DiPietro. It's available and streaming on the Big Weck Podcast Network at bigweck.com. That's W-E-C-K. Get us on Facebook at Big Weck. Uh, check out the previous episodes. Always a pleasure having Mike Caputo on. Give us your input. Thanks for coming. We will see you all next week. Thank you for listening to the new podcast, Truth in Politics, with New York State Assemblyman David DiPietro. We welcome you to download and listen to the new podcast every week online at truthinpolitics.social and on numerous podcast platforms, including Apple, Amazon, and Spotify. Connect with David on social media and at truthinpolitics.social. The Truth in Politics podcast is done in partnership with Radio 1 Buffalo, LLC.